Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook, and after one year long hiatus, we are back in the studio for the rabbit hole. And today, I'm joined by Mr. Ronnie Landis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing amazing. Good. Welcome so happy to, to be here. Thank you. Welcome mm -hmm. to Lighthouse. Thank you. So, just to give everybody some context, we're here in Studio Three at Lighthouse Lighthouse Studios in Bali, and this is the first podcast I've recorded in my own studios. Yeah. Um, before this, we had a beta studio in my villa, and we recorded a lot of episodes in there. And it's really interesting to be back in the studio. And now at Lighthouse, we're fully open. We're good to go. What do you think of Lighthouse? Well, I think it's amazing what you've done with this place. It's it's like extraordinary. I've actually never seen anything like it. Awesome. You're a podcaster as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a podcast. I've been doing a podcasting for like seven years and I've never really done it in a professional studio. I've yeah. been in professional studios on other people's podcasts, um, but I've never seen a co-working space that's also combined as a studio space. And uh, yeah, this is a really special place. So I'm, cool. I'm excited to be here. Well, as much as I'd love to talk about me in the Lighthouse, let's make this about you. You're the guest here. Um, so we were connected by a mutual friend, Chris mm -hmm. Dufay, and uh, I just had a bit of a squeeze around your website last night and mm -hmm. uh, your Instagram and I downloaded this and we'll talk about that. This is your uh, life optimization map or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but you saying online, well, what this is what it says, Ronnie Landis is a leading expert in holistic health, natural nutrition and human potential. He powerfully supports driven entrepreneurs, athletes, performers, executives and influencers to perform at their best mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then a little line that uh, kind of captures my attention is exploring the fringes of cutting-edge health sciences mm. and food-based nutrition, mm -hmm. which uh, I think uh, we'll go into a fair bit of depth about. Like that's something yeah. I'm uh, constantly curious about. It seems like, you know, theories and mm -hmm. uh, theories change every five minutes and the, the science As changes all the do. time. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's there's a lot of people now learning about, you know, the fundamentals of, um, you know, the way nature intended and the way that we mm. actually are mm. rather than push, pushing medical agendas on us. Yes. So you seem to be somebody who's pretty well tapped into all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you're looking at all these different aspects, including, you know, the emotional and the spiritual and all these things and how it all weaves together. And I'm assuming mm -hmm. you've got your own story about how you how you came to be talking about this stuff. And sure. um, addiction yeah. is one of the things you talk about mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah, just give us a little bit of a snapshot, the back shot and backstory into mm -hmm. who is Ronnie. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll make it short just because we have so much to cover and, and, you know, it's like, what's your story? And, you know, we go, we go through this and podcast so much. Um, but, you know, it is interesting because I was raised as a martial artist from the age of four. So that's my original pedigree as an athlete and a martial artist. Um, and I was training as Olympic hopeful from the age of 16 into 23. I was actually training to make the U.S. national team. In, in what? In uh, Taekwondo. Form? Taekwondo. Yeah, I competed in the U.S. Open, I think, in 2006 or seven. And then competed internationally and, and was making my way there. There was some, um, let's just say, conflicts in my life path that that arose that I made a choice point and changed direction. But um, I was running a martial arts school at the same time. So a uh, very committed martial artist, elite athlete, played basketball all my life. So I was, I was double. I was a double sport athlete. 
And that, that's my background. And so I got into the health thing because I had a knee injury when I was 18, just overtraining and um, just wear and tear on my meniscus and, and tore a piece of my MCL and then ended up going through the whole surgical route and just going through that whole, that whole drama really, because that was the first time that I had been physically sidelined. And so my dream that really kept me on the straight and narrow mm. was now being challenged. And I, and I couldn't see anything else out outside of that in my life. That was the only thing that made any sense to me. The only thing I was going to do with my life, mm. um, growing up in the compulsory, repetitive, academic, industrialized schooling system, uh, that was not exactly my forte. It wasn't. I was not unintelligent. I was just very bored, mm. and I, I think I always knew that this was not relevant. Um, I just, I just didn't really seem to care. Um, so, so that path wasn't really, that, that wasn't going to be a viable thing for me. I, I knew that martial arts at the time was the most, uh, was the thing that just called me forward. So anyways, I, I had a long, a long series of just recovering from that knee injury, which then introduced me into the alternative healing world, um, studying, uh, studying, um, re, uh, repairing the, the body therapeutically, um, through movement practices and things of that nature. And then eventually I actually worked in a, a hospital in the emergency room for three years, which was just kind of a weird synchronicity because it wasn't like a career path. I just kind of ended up taking a job to supplement my athletic career um, as an HIV tester in Oakland, California. So major hospital, I'm in the emergency room, I'm doing HIV swab tests, and I'm, I'm all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of becoming a double agent. This is where my first mm. spiritual awakening started to happen. I, I stumbled on YouTube University, and I started stumbling on different people like Paul Check and David Wolf and, mm. and different characters in the health world that completely shifted my paradigm like completely turned it upside down. And I happened to be in the medical environment at the same time. Yeah. So it's interesting like how God works. Well, uh, you're obviously shown that so you could see the complete contrasts, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. So what ended up happening is that I basically became like a double agent. So by day, I would be doing these HIV testing, um, you know, these swabs, working in the, the, medical, the medical establishment, and I would be observing what's going on in the meetings with the pharmaceutical reps that are coming in and selling their new pharmaceutical for the new STD, the new HIV, like, um, pharmaceutical, and I would, I would listen to the sales pitches, and, and it just became very obvious that something was, like, really strange, just, like, in the... the the vibration or just the, the way the whole thing was going down. Um, I didn't really know so much. It took me a number of years to really awaken to the truth. Like now I know without mm. any doubt what goes on in that world and how just absolutely um, corrupted that entire world is. Um, I, I could go on and on, but basically what ended up happening is I got into the raw food world. I started juicing. I started doing like spirulina, cacao, coconut water, goji berry smoothies, I had my own office, so 
I'd be going in there. I'd have a backpack full of superfoods. I'd have a blender, like a little little magic bullet blender. And I'd go into my office. I'd have these swab tests. They're like 20 minutes. So every 20 minutes, I'd be waiting on swabs to tell me the results of patients that they have HIV or not, which that's a whole other thing to talk about, right? I had to actually tell people this too. I had to actually give people the results. That's heavy. That was yeah, that was heavy. But so like I would be whipping up all these superfood smoothies. I'd be on YouTube studying voraciously, going down the pharmaceutical rabbit hole, going down the vaccine rabbit hole, going down the genetically modified agricultural rabbit hole, going down the nutritional dietary theory rabbit hole. Like I'm doing all this behind the scenes and then I walk out and I and I go into the emergency room with the doctors and the nurses and watching them eating out of vending machines and I'm having a complete like uh, the veil is dropping very quickly. Right. So that's so that's just, um, you know, that that's just a little bit of how how I came to be in the, the holistic health world. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you uh, got to see those complete complete contrast because it, most people don't most people don't actually see it well i mean what it's to somebody like i've always been a little bit weird i've always probably since a young age seen things maybe that or understood things that maybe other people don't understand and it's been a gift and it's been a curse at the same time because most a lot of my life never fitted in mm-hmm. never fitted in right um but it absolutely baffles me that people see a hospital cafeteria and what they're selling in the hospital cafeteria, which even anybody who consumes junk food mm. could just look at that and put two and two together and go, that's junk food. Mm-hmm. I'm here supposedly getting trying to get well. Right. Like, h- how does that not occur to more people? Like mm-hmm. it's it seems like we are so brainwashed mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. It, to me it's just mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. It it makes no logical sense. And my only my only explanation is that people are so desensitized mm. and they become so numbed out, literally through being medicated. And the food itself is a sedative. Yeah. So that that's another thing with like this this processed food, overly cooked food, um, you know, factory farm food, whatever you want to say. This Franken food, it's actually a sedative to medicate people's consciousness and to desensitize them from the sensations of their body. Yeah. So they actually can't feel their body, and if somebody is not doesn't have the available the ability to sense or to be yeah. sensitive, then they won't be able to make sensible. Yeah. decisions with their be, life they can't be attuned to what they actually need this That's is right. this is something that i've had my own experience with is um and uh, you know uh, you've had your own journey you're talking about you know juicing and all this mm-hmm. um i had an experience about 10 years ago where i was getting a lot of parasites and a lot of issues and i was always reasonably healthy um, but i started doing a lot of fasting and a lot of juicing mm-hmm. cleaned a lot of a lot of stuff out of my body and the more that I did that after a few years, I became, I feel like I became very attuned to what my body needs. So now I know that uh, I, I can feel when, okay, you, I should only drink one coffee today or mm-hmm. I only need to eat uh, vegan food for the next two days or mm-hmm. I need to do a water fast for three days. Like my body tells me. And yeah. had I have not gone through that process of elimination, like eliminating everything out, and I think this is one of the issues with like with diets, right? Yeah, yeah. People go from 
one way of one lifestyle to another lifestyle, which is another form of mm. extreme diet. Hopping around. It's it's the it's the break. It's like the I think it's the elimination part of it. Totally. Which resets you and gives you that ability to attune. Is that I fully sound? no, yeah. I fully agree. And there was this running joke for so many years in in kind of like our our um you know, nutritional communities where the word diet has the word die in it. So that's actually a really important thing for people to to take a hold of, like the the grammatical like interpretation of word and the frequency of words. Like nobody wants to diet. People want to live it. So that so that's actually a key thing. I was thinking mm. about this earlier today, weirdly enough. Um, so when people are hopping around to this diet, that diet, the ABC diet, the acronym diets, like everything is just reconfigured into some different um, alphabetical, like dietary rebranded kind of thing. But there's only a certain amount of actual nutritional approaches that anybody can actually do. They just get reconfigured into something else for the next flavor of the month mm. um really the most important thing is that somebody gets off diet consciousness and whatever they choose to do they actually live it yeah they actually commit fully to the lifestyle and then the the nutritional part is really just an organization of of food supplement options that are going to help fuel your body so you can you know do what you need to do so that you're you're energized you have the mental and emotional and physical energy to do whatever it is that you need to do um you have a purpose and you have a mission of some sort even if your mission is just to, to feel better it's just to get healthier it's just to get into the gym it's to build a business to have a family whatever it is somebody needs to have an actual um, purpose. And then what's interesting about that is then the dietary aspect no longer becomes kind of like a religion or a main focus. Then it just becomes this supportive cast and people mm. don't, don't, um, yeah, they don't focus so much on the food. The food is just something you do to fuel you for whatever it is that your, your yeah, mission is. I also think you've only got so much bandwidth in terms of uh, where your focus goes to, oh, yeah. you know, to create a, you know, a, a good life. So when it just becomes your lifestyle, and then yeah. you, you're no longer thinking about it. It's like this is just the way that I live. When you're on a diet and you're, you're inside a, some kind of regime, it's like it's that's what you're thinking about all mm -hmm. of the time, and that takes up a lot of energy. It takes up a lot of bandwidth, which is then not giving you access to creating something bigger. It, it, sure, yeah. it might, you know, people might get results, you know, uh, short term in that, sure. but that's not the goal. Sure. That's yeah. Not the that's goal. right. Yeah. So, I want to come back to the nutrition part of it, but I, I want to see if we can just go down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. a little yeah. bit straight yeah. off the bat. Um, you're talking about, you know, the, you know, the broken system, the broken establishment. Uh, how much of that do you think is actually on purpose, or do you uh, do you think it's just, it's it's just one problem stacked on top? You know, for a hundred years, problem after problem after problem, and there's no real effort, or no real mm -mm. Uh, intention behind that. Or do you actually think there's intention behind the sickness? It's one hundred percent deliberate. <laughs> I knew the answer. I just it's one hundred percent deliberate, and I can say that with absolute certainty because of how much I've sussed out the control structures. Um, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole of like the 13 bloodline families and 
the Kasarian mafia and the Luciferian cults and, and all the things that exist below this the is a great first episode, below right? the radar of these institutions that oppose freedom, mm. like these government alphabet agencies, the medical institutions, these agricultural companies, the you know yeah. all all the things. You know what's you know you know what's what's crazy? I, I agree. I think the reason why it's so hard for people to grasp is because it's so big and it's been it's the reason it's so big is because it's been happening for a long time. Yeah. Since post World War Two, there's all these things, you know, these organizations, you know, the acronyms, the you know, the United Nations and the World mm -hmm. Economic Forum mm -hmm. and all these mm -hmm. things, you know, like people can come to their own conclusions. But these things have been established and then they've been believed for a long time. And it's just now so embedded for yeah. so many decades. Yeah. Yeah. And then when people like you and I start talking about it, people go, no, they, they can't. It, it, it's too big to comprehend. Th that's it's right. It's just too big. It is. It is too big to comprehend. And it becomes a full-time job just to try to unwind it. And I don't even really recommend most people even attempt to. I, I, I had mm. to go through some deep unwinding psychologically with psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy to even be able to unwind the layers of cognitive dissonance, the the programming, um, and, and then to even be able to go into it actually took me a number of ayahuasca ceremonies to touch the heart of darkness to really go into how deep this really was. And then interestingly enough, through that medicine, it actually helped heal, heal me from that. Mm. And I didn't actually have the desire to go back down the rabbit hole, but I was in that rabbit hole for, you know, I mean, definitely since 2020, a year and a half straight on and off. It basically became my like full time gig. I thought I was going to become like a freedom fighter. I was like, are you going to become mm. John Connor now? Like, no, you're not a nutritionist anymore. You're not you're not a, a trauma expert anymore. I mean, I guess you kind of are because you're going down the deepest rabbit hole of like collective trauma that exists. Um, but it, I kind of put everything to the side to go down this this like what felt like a holy mission. And I'll tell you, too. What came out of that for me when I realized that evil is absolutely real, I'm staring it in the face, it's staring right back at me, um, Lucifer is absolutely a real being of some sort, some sort of interdimensional being, absolutely real, that also means that Jesus must be real too. God actually has to be real now. That and It was interesting, there seemed to be this revival of like, Jesus mm. and in God where before I think it just got to a point of what we call like scientism where like science and materialism and, and atheism has become like this this materialistic replacement for God because most people get spirituality or or quote-unquote God um, mixed up with religion yeah, and, and I think it doesn't matter which way you well what your beliefs are around spiritual spirituality yeah. or God or you know however you, you know you perceive it yeah but I've said this many, many times. I think all of the problems that are happening in the world right now, you can put down to godlessness. Like, however, that, however you view that, godlessness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we we <laughs> <laughs> straight down the rabbit hole. So look, we, I mean, we could probably have a couple of episodes on, on all this stuff, but mm -hmm. um, let's not go too I'm, far. I'm refraining quite a bit just to. 
give space yeah. for anything else we want to talk about. But you did mention the the ayahuasca journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a big part of my mm. um, experience as well. I've done stuff over in Peru and massive, um, massive awakenings. And uh, I, I think it's 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 not that the those journeys instantly like give you something. Mm. It's something that you, you you become more aware. You become more um, awakened to yourself mm-hmm. and then I think mm-hmm. it just gives you a greater access to, to navigate like you were saying before that you kind of went on this mission of um, you know you went deep down that that rabbit hole mm-hmm. and now you've kind of gone back onto your path which is just talking about nutrition etc and uh, I think this is a tricky one because there is this converse, conversation around freedom mm-hmm. and a lot of people do go to that extreme yeah. and I think that in itself also is is unhelpful yeah. because people they they just like the 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 extremes of of one end right yeah, and I, yeah. I don't think that mm-hmm. that is the access to awakening more people I think it's yeah. just through living your life in a conscious way and living in a um and you know awakening yourself to mm-hmm. to intuition and uh becoming spiritual in whatever regard that is to you and I think the more people just do that yeah. the more we can move the needle so agreed where, where do you think this is a big question, but where mm. do you think humanity is at with that? I kind of wonder if we have reached a tipping point mm-hmm. in the fucking weirdness mm-hmm. and now there's more people waking up and we're starting to move back in that direction. I 100% believe that there is no answer for humanity other than to go in that direction. Like we have Agreed. To, uh, we have to – even to me it would be better that we all went and lived in the jungles, right, and just started from scratch than – you know, going completely in the, the the other other extremes where we just mm-hmm. blow ourselves up, right? Do you think that well, two parts of the question? One is, do you think that we are at some kind of tipping point, or mm. do you think we've still got a long way to go? Mm-hmm. And do you think it's possible for us to combine, you know, technology and science and uh-huh. this uh-huh. way this way of living and uh, relating to each other where we can thrive as a species? Okay, this this is like, that was a perfectly framed question, and I think I have a really good kind of framework to respond to that. First of all, we are at the critical tipping point of all tipping points in the entire um, eonic history of this planet. I'll just say it that way. Like, everything that's ever happened in this this world, this realm, is reliant on what we do now as a collective. Yeah. And... So we are at a critical tipping point. I think one of the things that's important to to recognize is that it's not on our shoulders as as you know fallible human beings. Um, whether you take the more of a Christian perspective or whatever particular religious perspective or a spiritual perspective, I think what's really coming through is this thing around um, faith in a higher power that has certain principles and values and virtues that we as human beings aspire to embody and and build into our character set, but it's not actually on us to do. Like, I do believe in angels at Mm. this point. I believe in angels. I believe in guardians and guides and, and interdimensional beings, and I believe in all that. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I've studied and gone down all kinds of rabbit holes. I know in my own life there have been magic and miracles and, and strange 
synchronicities that have shown up that have also reflected to me how important my attitude is in any given moment, especially being here in Bali. When you're in like an amplified vortex, you realize that your energetic, your attitude, your thought process and where your emotional state is has a particular effect on the environment and how the environment responds back to you. So that's the first thing is that in each of our individual lives, we have to take control of our attitude. I think it was Viktor Frankl in, in the book Man's Search for Meaning, right? One of the most classic books of all time. And his most famous phrase in that book was that the last of the great human freedoms is in the ability to control one's attitude in any situation. Mm. So I think that if we're going to talk about even like God and faith and all that, to me, that is the greatest act of faith is I'm going to take control of my attitude and I'm going to own it and work on myself to be the best human I can be. And then I'm going to let go of the things that I can't control because I know there's a bigger chessboard here mm. and I can only do what I can do. So that that's that's one thing. Now, the other, the, other, the other thing that's coming through to your other question, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a mystic called Rudolf Steiner. Um, I have heard. Okay. I've heard snippets, but yeah, remind okay. me. Yeah. So Rudolf Steiner was one of the greatest mystics, um, definitely of the last uh, 100 or 200 years. And he, he was a visionary and a prophet, really. And so he foretold of a lot of things that are playing out now. One of the one of the frameworks that he had that's that people are actually talking about a lot now about the times that we're in are these two different forces of what we would call evil, which do exist inside of us, mm -hmm. which is the Aramonic force and the Luciferian force. So I'll just kind of break this down simply. So the Aramonic force is the force of materialism. So what we would call scientism where everything is densified, it's material, it's matter, it's essentially stripping God or stripping spirit from matter. So it's all just like cybernetic. Yeah. It's like, so we're in the, we're in the cybernetic age versus the cardiozoic age, which is the age of the heart. So there's the, there's the toggle or the struggle between the head and the heart. Yeah. And so Araman, which is almost like the, uh, the over-understanding. Yeah. Over-analyzing, yeah. rationalizing, logic. Versus just being. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you're being, allowing. you're just, you're able to feel and, and sense. And that's the whole thing with meditation. Meditation is essentially just a feeling exercise, right? And doing breath work and that kind of thing. Um, so Aramon, the Aramonic force is a force towards... Um, hyper gravitation so so like the gravitational pull in our our atmosphere um is 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 trying to calcify and densify all of life mm. so that there's no actual life force left and it's 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 an interesting little rabbit hole that i'll i'll, I'll leave on that you know how deep that particular thing goes but you could see you could see how yeah. that's playing out yeah. the whole the whole like materialistic atheistic medical model is all based on the Aramonic philosophy. Bill Gates and blocking out the sun and the whole vaccine agenda and all that, right? That's basically an Aramonic philosophy. And then you so then you have the Luciferic force, right? Which is which is equally interesting because then we look at like the spiritual culture and particularly the new age culture and the the hyper fantasizing. 
So where one is very like grounded to the point where it's too grounded, yep. the other is very ethereal where it's completely ungrounded. Right. So it's it's all like it's all like fantasy based in pro mental projections and in this kind of thing. And um, and so what 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 Rudolf Steiner talked about is that these two forces are are two forces of the same coin, which is what we would call, quote unquote, evil or darkness. They're the adversary, the adversarial force. And then they also have to do with the manifestation of what we call the Antichrist. Which is which is like that's something I, I actually spent a considerable amount of time trying to identify. And I actually in one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, I asked the medicine what the deal with this was. I won't go into that now, but just if anybody's interested in that, it's something worth your investigation just as a, a spiritual pursuit. Um, which is basically just the manifestation of all that opposes life. Right. So that's what we're dealing yeah. with in this world. We're dealing with the beings that oppose life and, and sentience. And we as ennobled humans are trying to self-actualize that God spark, that like angelic quality in human form and, and kind of this protective guardianship of life. And so these two forces, they exist inside of us. So the whole thing is, is not about repressing or avoiding them. It's actually about how do we integrate mm. the Luciferic and the Aramonic forces to our benefit. And, and to your point before about not going to the extremes, mm. because if you go too far down the Aramonic side, then your physical body can manifest Aramonic diseases. So like calcification, spinal stenosis, um, muscle atrophy, like arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, this kind of thing. Very brittle, calcified, mm. like, you know, we're, we're basically, you know, you're, you're, you're being gravitationally suppressed and, and, you know, you, you just, you can't, you can't function anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a super interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the flip side of that is like the, the body being in flow, like the body being free, the yeah. body being able to move. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Luciferian thing is like, it's too much flow without any structure. Yeah. So it's, it's hyper fantasizing. Um, I'm, I'm singing so many like new age type of concepts and it, it's very conceptual. It's all conceptual based, but it's not necessarily practical or result driven. Mm. That's the extreme of it. Now you have to have both, right? You want to have your foot on the ground grounded, but with your, your, like your head in the stars, so to speak. Yeah. Like, so you're dreaming of the heavens, but your feet are on the ground. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's where we want to be with that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, um, how does the, you and I are privileged in that we're exposed to a lot of these conversations and we've. I mean, privileged in a sense, like depends on how you think about it. Cause it's a, it's a challenging endeavor. It it's is. a challenging internal endeavor yeah. to like. I feel privileged cause I'd rather, I'd rather be totally, around this. 100%. Yeah. But how does, how does, uh, people who are not ex exposed as much as we are, mm start to integrate this in into their existence. Mm, yeah. um, there might be people out there who feel or get a, a sense, you know, they get a sense that eh, this is not right. This is, but the issue is the way society is structured is that people are so uh, trapped, 
stuck in the matrix mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that needing to live day to day, week to week, month to month, look after their families, go to their job, yeah. um, pay off their car, pay off their house, all of that, it overrides mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. does – I feel privileged that I don't live like that. You mm -hmm. probably feel the same. Mm -hmm. How does somebody – get themselves out of that because it's 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 all well and good to say you know uh, awaken to these uh, theories and philosophies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though they they might have a sense they might have a knowing they might have a feeling but they also have responsibilities to their family and how to how do people maneuver I think it's a it's a step by step process yeah. and each person's journey is unique to them so I can't tell anybody how they're going to do it what I will say is that the first thing that you do is you change what you put in your mouth. Yeah, that's what happened for me. That's what I've seen happen for countless people. Nothing fundamentally changes until you change your health. Mm. Health sovereignty is the name of the game. That's the yeah. only thing that's real. If you have all the money in the world, you have all the material possessions, um, even you have great relationships, but you but your health is is at a decline everything else means nothing yeah and also like you said before until your body is in that somewhat more optimal state it it, it can't be your body is a is an instrument to tune into that's right to, to tune into you know the bigger picture so if it's not in that state where it has the capacity to do that it will not that's right and and I mean you can we can go really deep down into yeah. like just the practical whys of how this is important it's just so obvious but it's not so obvious when you're in the minutiae and the muck of yeah but these also things. also because there's so much noise there's, there's so much noise I've interviewed on the podcast one week I interviewed somebody who was a vegan whole foods and I'm mm -hmm. learning from them there's snippets of wisdom I can take from them. The very next week I interview somebody, actually it was the week before, somebody who's on full hardcore carnivore mm -hmm. diet. Yeah. And there's things that they're saying is like, wow, that's really mm -hmm. awesome too. There's yeah. snippets of wisdom. I get the feeling that both of them are right. Everybody's right. Mm -hmm. But it's, for me, it's taking uh, the, the the one thing I, I will always remind myself of, of is, is this – what nature intended like this yes. is called barley rain yes it comes out of the sky and okay well <laughs> pretty sure that's yep. natural right that's as natural now the water that we buy in the 7-eleven from nestle i don't think is natural yeah that's right? right so that to me seems to be the fundamental thing but when it comes to uh what kind of should we be what volume of meat mm -hmm. and okay. vegetables yeah, and that. grains and is there an optimal way or is it completely different for everybody? Yeah. Is it different for different people based on where they're at in their journey? Mm -hmm. One of the big things mm -hmm. for me is I um, I stopped eating red meat about five years ago when I was going through that phase. It was the elimination of the red meat mm -hmm. which cleaned mm -hmm. me out mm -hmm. and gave me a reset and then I think around – three years ago i came back to red meat because mm -hmm. my body was telling me to yeah and ever since i came back on that now i feel like i'm consuming red meat in a way that is good for me and i know how mm -hmm. much to consume because my body tells me so a lot of people would go off red meat and go oh well you know uh being vegetarian is the best thing that ever happened to me and then that just becomes mm -hmm. their mindset mm -hmm. i don't think it's that simple 
No, it's not. And, and I, I'm, yeah, I'd love to, to dive into that and also yeah. provide a simple framework for people to understand that. Um, everything is seasonal and cyclical. What I, what I really recommend for people that are just getting into the nutrition thing is that they start exploring cleansing and detoxification practices. I, I don't think most people actually need to go towards paleo or towards carnivore first. What they need to do is clean yeah. out the body because we've accumulated so much foreign debris and waste products in the form of heavy metals, pesticides, xenoestrogens, which are, which are artificial estrogen mimicking chemicals that throw our hormones out of balance, especially as men. Um, and, and, you know, just all the, all the food that we've consumed and overeaten, it, it all has, it all has developed impactions in our system. So we need to clean out and reset the body altogether first. That's, that's where vegetarian diets, particularly raw food-based diets, better balanced, green vegetable juicing, um, you know, certain types of uh, plant-based smoothies, and then um, getting towards more fresh produce, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds that are sprouted and germinated, preferably, um, seaweeds, um, fermented foods, and then superfoods. So getting, so getting into that is great because it alkalizes the body, it hydrates the body, it informs the body on a new set of like information from your environment. And then from there, once you start to reset, then you can start to get into a place where you can rebuild the body. So, so we call this anabolism and catabolism, mm. right? The anabolic phase is basically a phase of metabolism that's like breaking down, cleansing, clearing old material out. If we don't clear out the old material and we just add on new building blocks, then we're going to get constipated. And I've seen this a lot in like the keto and paleo communities where you see a lot of people that are very, they're very kind of dense in their, their energetic. They're like almost, they're more harmonic. They're too grounded. And it's like, like, like telluric, uh, what we call like telluric force, like a cow. Mm. It's like they're, they're eating so much cow where they're just like, like their body just looks kind of like, like the CrossFit, the CrossFit, you know. <laughs> people no offense but <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of people offended but that's okay i see what you mean yeah well i just i'm speaking to a particular <laughs> like um energetic that yeah. i see in the diet world now but on the other side you go into the vegan world and you see a lot of people that are more like um triathlons and, and long more runners and that kind of thing and a lot of people that are are excessively skinny or thin they can't really build very much muscle and then they they appear like they're wasting away those are the extremes mm. right then we want to find the balance point in the middle ultimately the balance point is an integration of both worlds yeah sometimes you're going to find that going more plant-based and enlightening the load is good for a season especially if you're in the summer the summer months yeah and then maybe in the winter months you might find that storing up bone broths red meat um animal foods is going to be more nourishing for you yeah and if you want to kind of bring this back to nature i i i don't think that humans in terms of our bodies have changed much in two thousand years mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's only been in the last hundred years that our food has dramatically changed and if you think of what people used to eat well it would have been seasonal they would have been eating certain kinds of foods in one season and then different foods in another season. And 
They were living according to nature and I think, you know, this might be getting a bit airy-fairy and fluffy, but <laughs> I, I think we were designed that way. Like we yeah, were yeah that, absolutely. Like we were designed to be part of part of nature and, <clears throat> you know, to try to, yeah. to, try to hack that and yeah. say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat that because this is – this thing in the other season is better for me. Right. It's like, Can I make well, a point about that? Yeah. So th this, I'm glad you brought this up. So just to synthesize the principle of all this, first of all, we live in a time where <clears throat> never before have we been able to choose a dietary path. Mm. We've never been able to actually choose a diet or a nutrition program. Until 100 years ago, people were just trying to fucking live and survive. It was all survival-based. 100 yeah. percent. So so we get very it's very strange for me when people are like talking about paleolithic diets and caveman diets. It's like and, and it's the little symbol on the, the gluten free cookie or something. It's like, whoa, really? We're so detached from nature that that this is where we are. It's all marketing. Yeah. So we need to extricate ourselves from that whole matrix and ultimately, I've been saying this for years, the only dietary approaches that are going to work long term are the ones that lead you back to nature. Mm. So then you can look at like for me, I was a I was a raw vegan for three and a half years, 100 percent. And then I was a vegetarian for 10 years where that led me was all over the world. I lived in Hawaii for years. I was on I lived on a permaculture farm hundreds of rarefied exotic fruits and superfoods and getting my hand in the soil mm. and like getting like deep with cacao and in like helping to grow cacao trees and learning how to make like raw chocolate from the seed and go through the entire alchemical process of turning it into a raw chocolate bar yeah instead of just going to the store and getting a chocolate bar and saying oh that's cool i actually was able to get intimate with the plants that's that's a very different um, thing, and, and I think if people did that, they would choose foods way more wisely. That's right. Yeah, when I go to the grocery store, it's like, I I mean, I barely ever do anymore because there's nothing I, there's nothing for me. I don't know. I'm mm. just looking around. I'm like, there's nothing to eat here. So what's your what's your day <laughs> tip, typical day look like in terms of food? Sure. Um, so nowadays, so so in early 2020, I did receive the calling as you did to reintroduce um, red meat back into my diet. That's a whole story in of itself. Um, it was a very shamanic experience. Um, I had like a whole awakening around that too, and it, it was really powerful. So so now, I I usually have maybe a steak a day or or maybe every other day kind of thing. It's it's you, it's a part of my staple. I actually don't eat that much compared to yeah. what I used to. I usually have like one you know protein superfood smoothie after my weight workout. I drink a lot of water. Like hydration is absolutely critical. I probably drink 2 to 3 um young coconuts every single day being here in Bali. Um and then what else? Like um and then I'm pretty, I'm pretty lax. Mm. I'm pretty lax. Like I, everything I eat is organic. It's as fresh as possible. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't skimp on that, but I don't really think about it as much. I'm in much more of a fluid flow, but I usually yeah. have at least one, um, one steak, if not two steaks a day, depending on my workout routine. Yeah. So what is your, what's your exercise workout movement yeah. routine? 
So right now I'm in a I'm in a 90 day container that I created for myself. So my my goal is to get a little bit bigger, is to get stronger. Um, so every single well, actually not every day, but from Monday to Friday, 6:30 till 8 in the morning, I'm doing a really intense weight training um, circuit. So I basically create my own circuit of different exercises and then I combine them on top of each other and do five rounds of those. Yeah, you're doing this at the gym. I'm doing it at the gym. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're doing that fasted? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. So I always yeah. fast in the morning. I don't eat breakfast. Yeah. The closest thing to breakfast that I that I do is I have a smoothie after my workout. Yeah. Um. If I don't do that, the only reason I'm doing that is because all of my supplements. I've run through all of my supplements that I brought over here from the states, and trying to get supplements here is a nightmare. So like I had a whole boatload of all my like fermented amino acids and everything. If I had all that, I wouldn't be bothering with the smoothie. Yeah. But because I don't have all my favorite supplements, I, I'm, I'm, you know, yep, throwing gotcha. the smoothie in there. Cool. So you're doing that five days a week. That seems pretty intense. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a lot of people um, would th- think the amount of calories that you're, you know, burning during that and what you're describing that you eat, they don't match up. Now that's according to if you Google, if I Google my weight mm-hmm. and how many calories I'm supposed mm-hmm. to consume based on the exercise I do, it'll say 2,834 calories or whatever it is. Sure. Now, my experience is that I've been through times where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not eating, not that I'm counting, I'm pretty sure I'm not eating more than 2,000 calories a day and I'm not losing weight, I'm not gaining mm-hmm. weight, I'm not mm-hmm. anything. So um, I think this is – I'm not an expert – I'm just going based on but you have my a sense, assumption. You have a sense about it. I, I have a sense that my body maybe is more efficient than other people's. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know where those calculators come from, mm-hmm. um, but I have a sense that maybe my body is working differently to the average person of whom yep. they generate those computations from. Does that sound well, fair? Yeah, and I mean when you get deep into like those quote-unquote computation um, mechanics and, and the whole theory behind it, it, it's, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Just like calories in calories out that that's not a correct assessment of how the human body works. When you get into the understanding of like mitochondrial cellular energy, um, um, and then also really when you learn about cleansing and detoxing, then it takes on a whole nother shape and form. Most people don't know anything about cleansing. This is not something we've ever been taught. So when you cleanse out the impurities of the body and you get cellular integrity, the ATP, otherwise known as the energy system of your your cells, starts to perform much better. Mm. And um, you're able to generate energy without even eating so this is an interesting thing does food actually give us energy and the answer is no food doesn't give us energy in fact the more foods you eat the less energy you have because digestion requires the most amount of energy than anything it's like 50 percent of all your energy you consume from digestion right right yeah so when you look at like okay macros Protein is not an energy source. So you don't want to be eating too much protein unless it's for recovery purposes. So the steak I eat is not to get energy. It's a recovery building, building, um, 
building back the muscular tissue, the amino acids, etc., brain tissue, stabilizing my blood sugar, just rebuilding the structure of the body. Yeah. Fat and or or yeah, ketones and then glucose are the only two sources of energy from food. Right. So that's important to know. If people want to get more energy, then you're going to be looking at either sugar or or fat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that 100%, like, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is a completely fabricated... It's a scam. It's, it's a total, total scam. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that humans used to live <laughs> hundreds of years ago is you would go out and hunt or, you know, find food. You'd find a bunch of food and you would eat that and then you would eat nothing right. for three days. Right. Are like, you familiar with Weston Price? No. Okay, Weston A. Price was a famous dentist... Um, who was the book, um, uh, physical health and degeneration, something like that in the 1930s. He, he like, his whole work is like foundational to the quote unquote paleolithic movement. And basically what he discovered was, so he was a dentist and he went around the world studying the, the, de the dental, um, health of, of tribes of different you know tribal peoples and indigenous cultures because he noticed in the west with the advent of like sugar and white flour and white salt and all this kind of thing that people's de they had more cavities and just poor dental health and he was also opposed to root canals he was the very first dentist who spoke out against root canals and so he noticed that in these indigenous tribes they didn't have any issues of, of dental cavitations or any, they didn't use brushes, they didn't floss, they didn't do anything like that. And so what he, what he basically found out is that they're eating a natural diet, right? Obviously. And all the different diets are varied. You know, it all, they all had some sort of, of meat or fish and, and different like wild vegetation of some sort. Um, they were all drinking some sort of spring water, glacial waters, um, but that, but his work is really groundbreaking for that, that, that kind of mm. idea that you're bringing forth. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I think, yeah, we've got such a long way to go before we can un <laughs> unravel, um, and unravel even, even it's part of, it's, part it's of daunting this. to think. I about. know it, it is very, it is very daunting. And I think this is why also a lot of people, um, are complacent because yeah. it's too, it's too big of a. It's almost too big of a thing, you know. Well, what can I do? I, I can't. I can't do anything. So well, you know, their their brain isn't working. That's another thing too, and that's a whole podcast in of itself. People's brains are not working functionally optimally mm. because they don't have the right nutrition. Their brain isn't receiving the memo. So like their nervous system, most people are in a state of, of sympathetic overload. So they're, they're hyper stressed. They're in fight, flight, freeze. They're, they're in constant trauma responses. So people's brain is literally being subdued. And the only real way to, to free yourself from the quote unquote matrix is start making lifestyle choices right here and now from where you're at mm. you have to change what you eat you have to change the quality of the water that you drink you have to you have to face your addictions mm. people have that's 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 a whole thing in of itself that's why i'm yeah. so passionate about the addiction conversation because if you really want to get to it we have to deal with the elephant in our own room which is whatever addictions 
that we have that we're using as coping mechanisms to numb, sedate, and tranquilize our emotional distress and our stress. And, and that is that is causing us to be complacent with whatever dynamics are in our life that are out of alignment with our soul and that are causing us to live a life mm. of quiet desperation. Yeah, and unfortunately the 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 system, the matrix, is set up That's so right. that we can just be addicted. That's right. So is this something, I know you talk about a lot about addiction and it's, it's in your stuff and something you're passionate about, as you just said. Um, is this something, is, are you passionate about that? Is that something you've been through yourself or is it just something that sure. you've observed Absolutely. so much in people? Yeah, I, I have been through it. I, I've been through it in, in, in various cycles. Um, I'm just coming out of a space where I feel like I've, I've finally conquered some of those deeper, those, some of those deeper addictive um, cycles or tendencies. Um, I, I've been through it. I've been through the pornographic programming, the pornography mm. addiction, the masturbation addiction, the sex addiction, the the love addiction, the caffeine addiction, the tobacco nicotine addiction, the cannabis addiction, the MDMA addiction, the altered state addiction, um, you know, the workaholism, the workout addiction. Like I've you know, like I've the blame, shame and and point fingers at the world addiction. Yeah. You know, I've been through all of it. And I actually released a book in the summer of 2021 called The Addiction Free Lifestyle. So it's a 400 page book on on addiction mm. and trauma. And um, I yeah, I just I'm so passionate about it because I had to figure out that riddle for myself. It's not like I had any major addictions like um, as you know, like alcohol or, or substance abuse, yeah. but they were, they were underneath the surface and yeah, I, I could probably relate to that myself. Yeah. I think this is what most people deal with is they have certain things that are just accumulating coffee, for example, yeah. you know, like, oh, wor like working, like hustling, wor hustling. That's this. right. Yeah. And, and the stress that is caused from it, the, the anxiousness that's mm. caused from it. And, and somehow, you know, if you really sit with yourself, you know that something's out of alignment. Something is not something is, is robbing you of your peace. And that that's how you know that that there's something that's crying for your attention. But then we use the external coping mechanisms to kind of just keep us going so we don't have to deal with that. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the the there's so much relationship between the food, the addictions, getting stuck in that loop mm, mm -hmm. and I think the, the food, what you consume is such an important and it's probably the, the easiest step, right? Because right. That, that gives you, uh, that awareness crosses all sorts of different boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That crosses over into all aspects of your life because I think, you know what I think? I think a lot of people have never ever felt good. Totally. I've never felt good and they, they don't even know what they that, don't even know what, know that, what that, feels that feels like. like. Right, exactly. And, and that blows my mind. And the reason I say that is because I've had experiences where like uh, one of my things is, you know, I've struggled with a lot of pain in my neck and back through um, from childhood. And mm. of course, I know that, you know, the root cause of that is emotional trauma and, you know, unraveling those things and why my pain has a, is a, why my body is addicted to pain and, you know, there's all sorts of things to try to mm -hmm. uh, un, un, unravel there. Right, um, right. But I think the people f f focus on the wrong places. 
Like you, what's interesting is if you do scans or x-rays of me and my dad, mm. we probably have the both similar conditions. But my lifestyle is completely mm. different to his lifestyle and he's been on painkillers for the last 30 years. And it's, it's just not something that I, I would touch. And that's just been a choice. And then that is, you know, I'm not trying to make myself sound better than any, anybody, but I am sure that my day-to-day experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is different to his. I'm, I, of well, course, you know, I'm assuming, you can just see it on people, right? Yeah. You can just see people that have had a hard life. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their energy field, their body posture. You can see when, when somebody's weighed down by the gravity of life. And you can also see somebody when they're, they're the levity of like their spirit in Chinese medicine, they call that Shen expression. Like their Shen is wide open and, and they have a smile on their face or there's like just spirit in their eyes. Mm. And that doesn't happen by accident. And that's what people need to understand is that, you know, if you want freedom, you're going to earn it. If you want success, you're going to earn it. If you want health and vitality and in loving relationships, you need to earn it. Nothing of value comes without earning it. And that's a really interesting thing I think that's happening, like particularly in the men's movement. I think, uh, you know, like Andrew Tate, for example, is someone who's really bringing some really powerful, like arrow-like messages to the masculine uh, energy right now. And one of the things that he said that really, many things he said that really like hit me, um, you know, Someone was asking him on a on a podcast, he said, you know, what's the quickest way to get six pack abs? And immediately he responded, he's like, why does it have to be quick? Why can't it be a struggle? Why do you want everything fast mm. and easy? He's like, if everybody if it was easy, everybody would have it and therefore it would not be valuable. Yeah. He said the whole point about having a six pack of abs is that it's rare. Yeah. And this is one of the things you say uh, in in my looking online view. You, you're saying you can have it all, but why do very few people have it all? Seemingly, right? Because it's, it's not easy. No, and so that's another thing. Like you have to fall in love with the work. Yeah. So that's that's like if you really want to just like understand the 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 psychology of of any of this of like you know like evolving as a human being or exiting from the matrix you you have to want it yeah you have to want it to the point where there is no other option but the way people approach it is i want to fix this i want to fix i want to fix this health condition i want to fix my body i want to fix my financial situation i want to fix this it's like well Mm -hmm. you that's Mm -hmm. that's a life of Moving from one fix to another fix mm, to another fix, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So, t- talk more about this. You can you can have Good it all, point. and and why do people not? Mm. Yeah, it's like you can have it all, but maybe not all at the same time. Yeah, it's a progressive yeah. thing. It's like you're building the blocks of your life like a like like a puzzle. So your life is a puzzle, and so you have to focus on where you're at and what's what's most interesting to you in that moment and what is most necessary. So you have to create a foundation. And again, that that for most people is going to start with their health, their nutrition, um and you know, in in really devoting themselves to being a healthy human being. Cuz when you focus on 
health, it changes your consciousness. The quickest way to change your consciousness is not just by meditating and, and going to yoga. Yes, do that also. But when you clear out the gunk inside of here and you start getting on 32 ounces of green vegetable juice every day, your thoughts will change from acidic negative thoughts to alkaline positive thoughts. Now, once you start doing that with like moving your body and doing things with your body, all of a sudden you become a powerful human. You feel more confident. You, you feel more energetic. Now you start to feel like, oh, well, then maybe I should do something with my life. Maybe there's more that I can do. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just it's just piggybacking one thing at a time. Um, I think people have to have more of a long view of their life. Yeah. And, and the reason why people are not able to think long term is because their dopamine system has been completely hijacked. And dopamine is the molecule that controls motivation. So you, when dopamine is secreted in the brain, it's usually in the anticipation of a future event. And so this is why it can be very addictive in the wrong, in the wrong case, because somebody, if their dopamine um, is tied in with your reward and pleasure system. So if somebody's brain has been wired to associate pleasure as a reward, they're going to immediately gravitate towards things that provide immediate pleasure but the brain is going to assume that that's actually the reward mm. so then it's like why am i going to work for anything why mm. am i going to do anything difficult if i can just have the reward for ends up in tiktok that's right yeah it's, it's so so the brain actually becomes trained for short-term gratification and trying to think long term actually becomes it, it's exhausting so that's a whole other that's a whole other element to this puzzle is is learning about dopamine um, and, and identifying the the immediate gratification um, impulses or just, again, your the addictions that we, we gravitate towards working through those and developing the ability to think long term, because when when you think long term, all of a sudden it's like going from immediate impulses of, OK, let me reach out for the coffee. Let me reach out for the cigarette. Let me reach out for the, the pornography. Let me rub one out. You know, these things that are detrimental to our, our long term success that don't seem, mm. excuse me, that don't seem detrimental in the moment yeah but you know when you look in the mirror one day and you smoked a cigarette it's like oh nothing changed after a week or maybe, well maybe like after a year all of a sudden you're like oh wow and after 10 years you know somebody's like entire skin quality but you didn't notice the decline because you it's didn't so notice the gradual decline in the same way that you have to take that same theory flip it on his head for a slow decline for positive results. Yeah, it, the momentum, you have to build the momentum back up and, and it, it's going to take longer in the beginning, but it's sustainable. Yeah. And it's actually more powerful than a negative force, but it, you, you're recircuiting the brain essentially. You're retraining the brain through neuroplasticity, through changing your patterns and behaviors. Um, and, and you are going to feel pain because that's also the pleasure sensation it's chasing pleasure to avoid pain so then that's part of the self-medication is that ooh, i don't want to feel pain i don't want to feel discomfort so i'm going to do something pleasurable to medicate the discomfort that i feel yeah we have to we have to override that as as functional adults 
we have to override that adolescent, you know, tendency to always to be pleasure seeking all the time. Um, What is your do you have a some kind of spiritual practice that you have for yourself? Are there rituals that you have Mm. um, on a daily, weekly, monthly? Are you doing full moon ceremonies or what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I've done all the things. I've 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 been part of the the spiritual communities um, throughout the certainly throughout the U.S. and different parts of the world on and off um, for for you know almost twelve years and so I've I've been exposed to everything. My spiritual practice right now is just embodying the qualities of the man that I want to be. Yeah, it's I, I've done yoga and meditation and martial arts and in medicine ceremonies and these are all tools that i put in my toolbox but none of it in the dietary things um none of it has i don't imbue power upon it as if it's like a religion or a god i i I can meditate i have meditation whenever i want Mm. so i'm just like before we did this i just closed my eyes for a moment and just yeah it's something that I have access to. It's a tool, but my own self-actualization as a human being is my spiritual practice. Being in integrity with myself, my mm. thoughts, my words, my actions, in trying to get those to become one thing and yeah. be a good human being and be good at being a human being, that's my spiritual practice. It, that's an interesting uh, interesting way of looking at it, a powerful way of looking at it. Because uh, I think it's the case, and it's not wrong that have you know spiritual practices or rituals or prayer, yeah, um, that, yeah. that can center us. And but you're right, we put a lot of power in those, and that then becomes the well. That's the reason why I'm like this. Mm-hmm. When if you can embody that into just how you operate, part of your life. Uh, to me, like that's how I try to. Uh, I try to remind myself. To me, all of that is mindfulness. It's mm, like mm. mindfulness and awareness, and then having small little practices. Like every hour, I'll just bring myself back to center, just do a couple of breaths, and it's like so that I'm just constantly reminding myself just to be mindful of where I'm at, what's my surroundings, how am I, how how am I being? Um, you know, you were talking before about. Um, the attitude right and i think to me like what was occurring to me as you were saying that it's like mm. humility you know humility, humility. Mm-hmm. to me is like it's it's such a foundational thing because it gives you access to be curious it gives you access to be um empathetic mm. you know i think mm-hmm. i i try to just rem- remind myself to always yeah. bring myself back to that humility that's it <clears throat> that's the number one thing you learn that a lot in relationships yeah especially and um yeah and you're able to you're able to see through the lenses of the heart versus the lenses of the mind and the ego um and that's that's they say that's the longest journey is is this you know where the six inches between the no, or whatever it is the head the heart that's the longest journey you'll ever yeah. take and and that's real and um yeah, so so empathy, um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to get into, but but being able to see through the lens of the heart is is always the way we want to go because there's a there's a there's a more broad and more accurate perspective of 
any particular situation, especially if you're dealing with another human being and getting out of our own story, getting out of our own, just getting out of our own way. Right. And just being able to see things as they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times about, you know, uh, masculinity and we're talking about Andrew Tate before. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank so, God! Thank God for that guy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is, I don't think you have to agree with everything he says in the way that he no. way that he says it. But my question is uh, regarding that, because the thing that he's uh, he's connecting with, he's connecting, you know, his his audience is mm -hmm. you know young males. I'm assuming 17 to mm -hmm. 25, mm -hmm. and he's connecting with, I think, an innate part of these young men yeah. that feel something different like doesn't matter whether you think he's right or you think he's wrong he's connecting with the next generation in some way that resonates i think in a very um natural way he's awakening yeah. something that is already there yeah that maybe they haven't seen for themselves because of you know the way that they were raised their family their school and this you know, liberal all, leftist feminine you know the falsely feminized culture yeah yeah but talking about the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're talking about, you know, connecting with the heart and many people would kind of look at Andrew Tate and the way that he speaks is, mm. you know, he's, he's, you know, aggressive mm -hmm. about his approach, mm -hmm. which I kind of like as well. But um, many people would think, well, he's not in his heart, you know, like, so mm. ha how do, mm. how do you combine this conversation of uh, a strong, masculine presence mm. but being in your heart like what does that look like to you and how do we how do we connect to that yeah so I, I think uh over the last 50 or 60 years you know with feminist movement and all mm. these different mm -hmm. things i'm not saying those things are wrong i think it's actually part of our journeys to it's part of the journey to to learn some <coughs> to unlearn some things yeah right yeah so how do we uh connect back to that because I, I think mm. the way that masculinity and femininity is in the world right now is very confused. It's very, very confusing confused. and men don't know how to act. Boys don't know how to act. Women don't know mm. how to act. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. So everybody's just lost and then everybody blames each other and yeah. that's the world that we yeah. live in. When yeah. I, I think if there was a way we could connect back to our whatever's our our, our Strong masculinity, but in a way that it is in touch with the heart. Yeah, totally. Right? So, <clears throat> I'm I'm asking this question as a man. I can't speak mm, for a woman, mm -hmm. but the the question is relevant for women as well. Sure, right? especially so, as women are dealing with men. Exactly. So, how do we how do we connect back to that? Well, I think Andrew actually is very connected to his heart. I've I've listened to a lot of his conversations. It's very different the the snapshots that you yeah. see versus the long form conversations. It's a very different energy. There's a lot more yeah. articulation when he talks about his father, his mother. He talks about the women in his life, his brother. Like he talks about his passion for men's mental health. You feel his heart. Um, so I just want to make that point, and but it's a warrior's heart, and I yeah. understand that very well. I think that's why I resonate so much with it. It's it's like the heartbeat of a warrior that sees where the world is going and has mm. to stand up, and so that resonates really deeply with me as well. Um, and you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different temperament. Everyone has a different like tonality. Everyone has a different energy. So some some men are going to speak 
in a different cadence than others. And, and it doesn't mean one's more masculine than the other. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. The superficiality yeah. of that particular type of conversation. A lot of the men's movement is still kind of strangely in this beta state that's talking about like being an alpha male, but still like so obsessed about women to the point where everything is about women or getting women mm. or picking up women or avoiding women altogether. It's very, it's, it, it's, it's still very beta behavior. None of it is about evolving as a, as a man connected with, with God. And I think that's really what a true, like Jesus Christ was the ultimate alpha male. If you really want to get down to it yeah. because he was single minded, you know, you know, anointed by his father, God, and he was on his mission. So I think I think when we talk about masculinity, we talk about men's development, and we talk about um, I think mission and purpose is central to all men, and that's a whole long conversation in and of itself. Um, the whole agenda is to demasculinate men by stripping them of purpose, stripping them of the energy to pursue a purpose, to have critical thinking, to connect them. So they can be followers, not leaders. Yeah, be yeah. followers, to disconnect them from their heart so they're in their head and, <clears throat> and you know, being wishy-washy and indecisive and all these things. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately the true the true journey of the of the man the masculine is to be committed to a higher power to be accountable to a higher power which in my lexicon is father god that's how i relate to it right it doesn't really matter what you call it it is what it is the only the only thing that matters is that you call it yeah right you call it forth into your life and a lot of men i've been guilty of this put our purpose into a woman because we truly love the woman with all of our heart, but fail to recognize that the woman is also just a human too. And that, that that's not where we should, we should put place maybe our, our, our trust and confidence and our love into a woman. That's not where we place our purpose and our, mm. our mission. It has to be a higher, a higher source of accountability to, so that me as a man, I'm accountable, my behavior, my thoughts, my actions, my words, are, are accountable to a higher purpose. And then a woman can come forth and support me and, and, and serve her, her purpose by supporting me and my mission. And we can do that together. Yeah. That would be the ideal situation. Yeah, that's nice. Um, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes already. Um, We've talked about a lot of things. Yeah, and look, we could keep going. We could. I, I think Easily. there'll definitely be a, a round two at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, let me just – well, let's just share a little bit about you and how people can find you and what you do. Sure. So you work as a uh, – you work as a coach. You've got mm -hmm. – um, um, yeah, tell us about your programs and what you do. Sure, yeah. I mean, I have different online courses. Um, I have a holistic nutrition course. I have an herbalism course. I have a dopamine reset course. These are courses that I've developed over – the course of years. Yep. Um, so these are <clears throat> video based courses that people can check out on my website, hhphealth.com. We'll give people the links. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And then and people can look all those up and um, they're plug and play. Yeah. Is this for anybody or it's for anybody, yeah. anyone that's interested in those, those topics. And then um, I, I work with private clients. So I work with um, a lot of entrepreneurs, like, like peak performers, people that are already developed a certain level of success or foundation 
in their life mm. and are at a particular level where they can work with someone like me who essentially I'm a peak performance coach that has such an interesting like pedigree for holistic um <clears throat> holistic um variables yeah like like you know a mastery of holistic health and nutrition and then also be able to go into addiction and trauma and dopamine um resetting and then like relationship dynamics and and spirituality and emotional intelligence and psychological development like this is these are all the things that i've sought to master for myself and it just so happens these be have become kind of like the things that i work with people on when i work in coaching programs yeah so um so i work with people one-on-one -on -one and in different groups when i have those available and um yeah and aside that i have a uh you know i have different things like a youtube channel and podcast and yeah 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 we'll make sure everybody's got the link so <clears throat> head over to instagram and youtube and yeah make sure you follow ronnie um one last final question and that is if you had the one-time superpower of mental telepathy mm. uh, and you could communicate one brief powerful message with all of humanity what would that message be wow <laughs> hmm you're not who you think you are you're so much more than you think you are and you're capable of so much more than you think you are you're not just a human being flesh and blood you're actually an angel in human form that has infinite capacity for good in your own life in the life of others and in the collective and we all have a deeply meaningful mission and, and the, the meaning of life is to solve that riddle, to figure out what that riddle is for you and mm. then put all your energy, your life force and your resources into that. And, um, and that's called a fulfilling life. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful share, man. Thank you. Uh, I just want to just, what was occurring to me for, with, with that is, uh, I think everybody has their own unique path. Mm. There is a unique a uniqueness that everybody has. And I think we're just so led to believe that we should follow the path of somebody else or we should follow this path because that person says so. And I think so many people feel some kind of calling to do something mm. which is unique. I mean, the way that the work that you do is it's it's unique in the sense of you know all the different facets of what you do mm. but <clears throat> there's no other Ronnie Landis True. so other people are going to people are going to connect with you that the way that they're not going to connect with somebody else and that's true for everybody True. there is a space yeah. and there is a path for everybody so whatever it is that you feel called to pursue yeah give yourself permission to pursue mm -hmm. that yeah yeah that's what that's i'm right. hearing that's right that's exactly right yeah yeah become become discover who you are like yeah. really lean into that and give and yourself permission to do that totally yeah that's it yeah. yeah is that that's all i'm doing every single day yeah awesome man ronnie thank you so much guys go check out ronnie um follow him um we'll make sure people got the links and uh, if you got any follow-up questions you want to get in touch with him please do so mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, it's been awesome, man. It's been a blast. There's, I think yeah. there's, I don't know how long you're in Bali for, but I think there should be around two yeah, at some I'm point. Definitely here for a couple months. Would love cool. to. We could, we could go so much deeper into so yeah. many things. This, cool. But this was awesome. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole.